2: Hi, I'm Robert Radio Radiolab is supported by Casper. As we begin this episode on reproduction in the human body, check out the Casper, or the Wave mattress, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. Visit casper.com slash radiolab and use code radiolab at checkout to get $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Robert Radio Radiolab is supported by Audible. As we begin this episode on reproduction and development, check out How We Do It, The Evolution and Future of Human Reproduction. Go to audible.com slash radiolab or text radiolab to 500 for a free 30-day trial and a free audio book. Uh, wait, you're listening? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. <coughs> you're listening, listening to Radiolab. Radio Lab. From
3: WNYC. Yeah.
4: <laughs> hey, this is Jad. Very proud to present to you guys, starting today here on Radio Lab, a mini-series from producer Molly Webster. It's been my goal as a fish. It's been my goal. For so long I've waited till before I've waited to carry you All of you
3: All of you
5: Hi, I'm Molly Webster. I'm
3: so full of ice
5: For the last
0: time I have so many eggs
3: I don't know,
5: I'd say three years.
0: It's
4: too much for me.
5: I've been...
4: It's too much for me.
5: ...doing a lot of reporting about how humans make more of themselves, right? Like science stories, ethical stories. And we came up with this idea that, you know, <laughs> rather than me reporting only on reproduction for the next 10 years at Lab, that what if we just put them all together in a series... And so we're about to do that. For the next month, we're going to do this series. And the name of the series is... Uh, gonads. E- I know what you're thinking. Why? <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. You can say no. What do you think about the word gonads? Go, gonads? Go,
4: oh, that's a crazy question. It's almost like that word moist, <laughs> where it gives you like a little... Uh-huh.
5: Yes, that word does have certain connotations. What do you think of it? <sighs> bon- isn't that nuts?
4: It's a slang term for balls. Balls. Testicles. Testicles. Balls. Definitely balls. balls. Definitely balls. Definitely balls. Are you you got go is. like. It's just used in like. Stupid boy humor. So sort
5: of almost like toxic masculinity situation. You just think like sweaty balls and male jokes. Pretty much. <laughs> like kick you in the nads. Great. Would you think it has anything to do with ladies?
3: No. 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 no.
5: Oh no. <laughs> Did you know that um, ladies actually have gonads also? That gonads are both testes and ovaries? Oh,
4: really?
5: That it's actually for men and women. Really? I did not know that. I did not know that. Did not know that. 90% of the people I talked to didn't know that. They didn't know it. Who would have thought? Women and men both have gonads. (laughs) culture they've stolen the word and made it male (laughs) and I think it's time we reclaim this word like as a citizen as a human (laughs) as a lady as a science lover I'm taking the word back
4: it's Guna time (laughs)
5: So this is episode one. And this whole series, like, kind of came into being um, with a single phrase.
1: All right. The duck is in the house.
5: From this guy. Can you say for me your Hmm. name and how you identify yourself?
1: I'm Kutluk I am an ovarian biologist. So, I have a uh, research laboratory uh, at Yale University School of Medicine. So, Akte, he is the one who said that gonads are magical organs. <laughs> they are. <laughs> gonads are magical organs.
4: Gonads are magic!
0: Magic!
1: So, Akte is Turkish? You know, I, I was a curious kid. He grew up in Istanbul. I was a Trekkie as a child and as and i was 10 years old i would you know you know look into universe and the skies and and trying to understand you know make make sense of, of this uh, whole thing what was it about the sky that attracted you it was the concept of infinity you know we're just living a mundane life on this planet without thinking of uh, anything but our routine uh, concerns, but at the same time, we've got this vast space around us, and mostly we have no clue. Mm-hmm. We live oblivious to that fact. You know, I would lose uh, sleep over that when I was a kid. Really? <laughs> yeah.
5: Fast forward, Akte goes to medical school in Turkey. He becomes a doctor, specifically in OBGYN.
1: So I had to deliver a lot of babies. Uh, probably 20,000 or so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's like birthing a small town. And then, you know, having, after having made 20,000 delivery, I said, you know, perhaps uh, this is not my calling. I want it to be a little bit more, uh, more towards the beginning of the process. You know, when you're an obstetrician, you're dealing with the fin- finished product, right? Well, I just think
5: that's a crazy statement because most people think babies are the very beginning of the process. I'm not sure what gets more beginning than, like, a small baby. Popping
4: out of a, a lady. <laughs> that feels that feels like the starting line. We've
5: started something. Yeah. But in Octay's case, there was, like, some sense that most of the decisions, most of something had already been decided by the time the baby gets out.
1: And that whole process is uh, uh, fascinating.
5: So we dragged him into the studio to talk about Magical gonads, basically just to figure out why are they magical. I'm interested how you settled on that word.
1: Yeah, what did I say? It, you know, I think magical for many reasons. One is their origin, you know. they
5: And he told me what he learned when he started studying this stuff was that the origin of the gonad, like its creation, is sort of the beginning because it starts with this whole saga that is so involved and so extreme that the baby itself does kind of feel like an afterthought. He calls it...
1: The Great Migration.
0: (laughs) The Great Migration. (laughs) Octay got me into this story, and so I ended up calling a bunch of people about it. In my lab, we have a slogan that says, go Nads or go home. We have t-shirts. You don't. (laughs) You do? We do. We have a t-shirt. That is Blanche Capel, professor in cell biology at Duke University Medical Center. She
5: essentially studies all the parts of the story we're about to tell you.
0: Okay, so to place this story in time, it begins at about, oh, two or three weeks in humans, I bet. Let's say day 24, just to be safe, which basically means a sperm
5: fertilized an egg 23 days ago. It could be a petri dish. It could be sex. Who knows? <laughs> but inside this woman's uterus, there's a little organism that has been growing for
0: 24 days. What does the embryo look like at that point? That's my comrade-in-arms, Pat Walters, who's the editor of the series. Gosh, I don't know how to describe this very well to you. I could send you a picture. Does it kind of look like a tadpole? Exactly. That's not so wrong.
1: It looks like a tadpole. You know, if you look at a very early embryo, it's like curled up. There's a tail. It's got a little tail. There's like
5: the, the, like the sort of ball of the embryo that's like forming the developing body. And then it has this like sweep of a tail that's coming off. And if you
0: zoom into the tail, you'll see a little region. It's called the allantois called the allantois. Which is the trash bag of the embryo. Before the embryo has an excretory system, it dumps things that it doesn't want in the allantois. Urine it flows in and out there. It's where a gas exchange with the mother happens.
4: So... it's
1: Kind of a terrible place.
4: It's like a foreign planet. This isn't actually part of the embryo itself?
5: No, it's sort of in the hinterlands. Alan Toas, I always imagined, was, is, is the, where Harrison Ford was camped out in Blade Runner 2049, which is like that vast dust desert.
4: Super orange dust, yeah. And
5: there's like um, wind storms and, and like wind blowing over the desert. I imagine it like that. And it's here where you find some cells...
1: These very specialized cells, germ cells, the germ cells, primordial germ cells.
5: These are the cells that are going to go on that great migration, and
0: put the magic in the gonad. They—they're very interesting cell type. They're—they're they're set aside very early in embryogenesis. And how many are there? Are there like a thousand? It's not that two thousand. I think they're something like forty. Wait, that's it? That are, yes,
4: forty. Biblical number.
0: And the irony here is—is is
5: these cells sort of like huddled at the edges of this wasteland might actually be the most important cells in the body because after the embryo grows, after the baby gets born, after that baby goes through puberty and one day maybe decides to have a kid, these cells which are present at the very beginning these cells are in charge Of making a next generation of you.
1: I mean, that's the meaning of life, right? That's the origin of life, these cells. Everything else, I mean, we think it's brain, heart, etc. But I think everything else is there to support the survival of the germ cell.
0: They're the stem cell of the species, right? So stem cell means a cell that can create other cells an originator cell. We have stem cells for lungs, stem cells for heart, stem cells for neurons. These cells are the only cells that can make, on their own, all the other kind of cells. They can make a whole person. So it's a, they have a remarkable underlying pluripotency. Mm. Do you think they know that?
1: Well, that's, uh, I mean, that, those are very difficult questions to answer. I don't
0: know. I think germ cells know they're really special cells, but I don't think they know what they're going to become.
4: We can ask you a question: If they're so special, why do they start out in the trash?
0: Yeah, that seems like a bad place. You would think it's very curious that the germ cells arise near that position, and it's unclear why. Or you hide your most precious object in the trash dump. <laughs> <laughs> that's
5: what I'm, I'm like.
0: This is like got like the it's best ingenious. Mission Impossible, like Murder on mm-hmm. the Orient Express. Yep, maybe that's the plan. I don't know.
5: In all seriousness. For some reason, and scientists don't know exactly why, it seems like evolution has decided to set these cells aside at the beginning of development, which means they have to make a journey back to the middle of the embryo where their destinies will be revealed.
1: And if they make it there, we make it there. If they don't? We don't.
5: Okay, okay, so, so they hang around this dusty wasteland for a few days, huddled against the elements. I like,
4: wonder what that's like
5: for them. I imagine there. if I was in that situation, I would just like be like wondering how I this was my lot in life. Is this some sort of cosmic joke? <laughs> I have a sense, I have a sense I may be important, but I'm just here.
4: <laughs> Don't know why. In the
5: wasteland. So they hang out like that for a couple of days. And then there's a call. They hear a call. They maybe smell a call. Let's say here. There's a signal. They're called
1: into action. And so... The cells start migrating. They
0: literally move. Wow, what? Wait, so how does a cell march? They actually extend uh, which are little uh, cell-like feet. Okay. <laughs> Is it like it pops out two feet and then it goes walking? Um, cells send out extensions, and that extension has a little adhesion molecule on it, like a little sticky spot. So when it puts its foot out, it can pull the rest of the cell up to it.
1: So. They take a hike, 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 hike,
0: and it, interestingly the germ cells seem to be holding hands like a long string of paper dolls Okay. and they touch each other it's as though they are the whole crowd is like going together. And after a bit of a hike they get to the wall of the embryo which is like I don't know a pulsating mass and somehow this is a very blurry period I have to say they push their way through the wall
1: and um, on the other side it's just chaos there it's like a foreign planet
0: because what's happening is i mean that the the embryo is just like dividing 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 you know the whole embryo is developing very fast at this stage trying to start forming parts, like it wants to form organs, it wants to form a nervous system. It- there are all kinds of signals flying around to tell the gut to form and to tell the liver to form. Blood cells are popping up, neurons, you know, all these signals are, f- are flashing all around. And yet the germ cells, their job is to block it all out. They migrate right down the middle of the embryo at the midline almost like where you could think, like, a spine would be. Through a forest of signals going around in the embryo. And these signals are bombarding them, trying to tempt them, like, hey, be
5: a liver cell, be a liver cell, come be a liver, be a liver. And sometimes these cells are like, hmm, wait, do I want to be a liver? Am I a liver?
0: No, wait, something tells me I should keep marching. It seems scary, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they go through a battle. Hey,
0: do you know if they ever lose one along the way, like the chain is going and they're Uh, trying to like, don't differentiate, don't differentiate. Does like the fourth one from the end ever go like pew and just become a stomach? And they're like, oh, crap. We lost Stan. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Hurry, hurry. (laughs) It probably happens. But
5: they try to stay focused together, and they try to resist all of those signals that could divert them from their destiny. They want to stay uncommitted.
3: These might be the last cells in the developing mammalian embryo to give up um, their world of possibilities.
5: This is David Page. He is the director of the Whitehead Institute, biologist at MIT.
3: If you see what I'm saying. So basically, when when an egg is fertilized by a sperm, to go back to the that beginning, um, the resulting cell called a zygote, the fertilized egg, has the possibility, has the potential to become every type of cell in the body. And as one cell becomes two and two become four and so on and so on, eventually some cells give up that broad range of possibilities and become committed to narrower occupations and specializations. You know, we have at least 200 or 300 specialized cell types that make up our body. All the other cells make the transition from possibility to reality, and those migrating primordial germ cells are the last cells to give up a wide range of possibilities. Oh, I like and, them and
5: for their like pugnaciousness.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes.
5: Okay, so getting back to the band of 40, we're back in the thick Pike. of things. They're marching through the middle of the embryo, being like pelted and torn at, fighting off Pike. all these other signals. And Pike. they do this for one day, Pike. two Pike. days, three days, Pike. four, five. I imagine they Pike. get tired as they go. Six, seven, Pike. eight, but nine. Pike. The signal that they're following is getting stronger. Pike. And then pretty soon, over the horizon, on kind of either side of the path, they start to see
0: these mountains. The urogenital ridge is going to emerge as sort of a mountain off the back wall of the body cavity.
5: So they're still marching down this path. They're following the signal. The mountains are getting closer and closer. And then at some point, the path in front of them splits. It goes to the left and it goes to the right. And half the cells will go to the left and half the cells will go to the right. Regardless of what direction they go in, they end up at the base of a mountain. And the mountain is a mass of, like, a dense mass of cells, and they come right up to the edge of the mountain wall, and they're able to just, like, push those cells aside and, like, squeeze into the interior of the mountain. Which is an entirely
0: new space, so the germ cells enter enter the gonad
4: oh this is the gonad
0: yeah this is the place
4: that
5: will either be an ovary or a testes
4: and which i mean has it been figured out which it is no
5: at this point it could go either way i think about this place as a cathedral and the cathedral it's sort of under construction And as they walk in, they they probably know immediately that this is the place that's been calling
0: them because that signal that they've been following is everywhere. Maybe when they get to the gonad, the whole cell is surrounded by the signal, and that tells the cell to stop. But this is just a guess. What do you think it's like
5: for for the germ cells? Like, sort of, they've been going on this walk, and then they get to a place that says, stay here. So I wonder what the stay here, like... I don't know, feels like... Oh, I think it feels like home. After marching for almost two
0: solid weeks, they finally arrive. They recognize this is where they belong. But everyone I talked to said probably still at this point...
3: They don't even know what lies ahead for them.
5: Or even why they're there.
3: We're anthropomorphizing, but why not... um...
5: David Page again.
3: I would suggest that the primordial germ cells, they have been instructed to migrate to the genital ridge, but they don't know why. And they don't know what they're going to do um, when they get there. Um, They have not a clue.
5: But the clue is
4: coming. Jeff Pearson calling from Grand Island, Nebraska. Radio Lab presents GoNads is supported in part by Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. Additional support for Radio Lab is provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation.
2: Hi, I'm Robert Kroll, Radio Lab is supported by Casper. As we continue listening to this Gonads episode on reproduction and the human body, check out the Casper mattress with zone support for your hips and shoulders for better alignment, or the Wave, which mirrors the natural shape of your body. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free on a trial. Right now, get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com radiolab and using code radiolab at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Robert Krolwich. Radiolab is supported by Audible. As we continue this Gonads episode on reproduction and development, check out How We Do It, The Evolution and Future of Human Reproduction by Robert Martin. How We Do It provides even more context for our reproductive and child-rearing practices and what it all means for the future of our species. Go to audible.com radiolab or text radiolab to 500 500 for a free 30 day trial and a free audiobook.
5: Okay, so to pick up on the action, the tribe of 40, they find themselves in this cathedral like space. Technical name? The mesonephric gonadal region. I'll call it the House of Gonad. Mm-hmm. They're in this beautiful space.
3: But they don't know why.
0: But what happens is, immediately when they enter, they are surrounded by somatic cells. I imagine these cells as, like, friendly monks just gliding around in red robes. Their job is to just protect you and make sure that nothing bad happens to you.
4: So these are the cells that have been calling them?
0: I don't know. It's kind of a hard question to answer because
5: the genital ridge had just started forming when the germ cells began their migration, so no one really knows, like, what was sending the signal. But... After a few days, some people say a few weeks, these somatic cells that are gathered around the germ cells will lean in real close, and they reveal the destiny. They tell them either one of two things. You will become a sperm, or you will become an egg.
4: What exactly are these monk cells doing, though? I mean, are, to, to make them change, are they, like, bumping them in some special way? Or, no,
0: no, no. They're releasing proteins. Well, there are molecular signaling cascades that are controlling the male or female fate of the of the germ cells.
4: And what makes them go one way or the other?
5: Uh,
0: that is super complicated, and we're going to get into it later in the series. So for now, I'll just say. In mammals, sex is genetically controlled by whether or not you have two X chromosomes or an X and a Y chromosome. So it's just basically like your fourth grade biology of if the cells in the cathedral have a Y chromosome,
5: they'll they'll say sperm, and if the cells in cathedral have an XX chromosome, they'll say egg.
4: So it's still basically just fate and luck as to which way they go.
5: Yes, but here's the cool part. If the monks tell the germ cells that they're going to be sperm, they, they basically divide a little bit, and then the monks like take the germ cells and they put them to sleep. They sort of, I don't know, entomb them in these like catacombs until uh, after birth and puberty. Huh. But if the germ cells get told that they're going to be eggs, something different happens inside of them, and they just go... nuts
0: they divide they divide quite a lot rapidly for a while suddenly the band of forty becomes thousand and two
5: thousand and ten thousand the monks then take each of these new eggs and embed them in the wall of the
0: cathedral Divide. divide boom divide boom divide boom divide boom
4: They literally shove the eggs into the wall of the House of Gonad?
5: Yes. And this goes on for months.
4: Uh, As a matter of fact, their
1: numbers probably reach around 6 to 10 million during the fifth month of pregnancy, about 20 weeks of gestation.
5: That embryonic ovary is going to have all the eggs it will ever have when it's only five months along.
4: Wait, this is all still in utero?
5: This is all in utero. It's happening.
4: It has 10 million eggs, and it is still itself months away from being born?
5: Yes. Theoretically, at that point, that is 500 times more babies than Octe ever delivered in his career in this one developing embryo.
4: Fuck. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God, you know what just occurred to me? Like, if you go all the way back to the beginning of this story you told, day 24 or whatever it was, you've got this little organism forming. Probably the mother doesn't even know it's there yet. But already, there are these cells... In existence, that will be the kid of the kid she doesn't even know she has yet. So her grandkids are in there already. Is that right? So when you're pregnant with a person,
5: you carry inside of you the cells
4: that will make the next.
5: Oh, you're right. It is granddaughter. It's like like
4: your grandkids are already in inside of you, inside of your unborn child. Yes, that's bananas. Yes. Do you think the great grandkids are in there too?
5: Well, it's like all the, that's what she means by stem cell of the species because it's the same material that makes, they then, they not only make the body, they make more eggs and sperm. They make the next generation of egg and sperm. So they're so they're so they're both making a generation, but then making the ability for that generation to make another generation.
4: Oh my god, this is like So it is, this is like it's humanity. Like,
5: it's mirrors. You're not only cradling like your child, you're cradling like infinite future Homo sapiens. Wow. Well that's the infinity.
4: It's crazy that all that is there and you're not even a thing yet. That the first thought or Thought? I don't know. The first thing that this pro- organism has been programmed to do is not, hey, make a, make a person, make a brain, make a life. No, it's make more.
0: Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. You know, many, many people believe that we exist just as a harbor for our germ cells until we can make new people. Like we're just their hosts.
3: In some sense, that's absolutely true. I mean, or as, as was said a long time ago, um, a chicken is an egg's way of making another egg.
5: Really? I've never heard that before So I was in Michigan a couple of weeks, months ago And so I was in Michigan and I was kayaking On this river that has super sandy bottom And it's pretty shallow, I don't know, it's like three or four feet deep And the cool thing was that um, the salmon were spawning Huge fish. They were like three to four feet. They were so thick around, and and there were so many of them that they would like rustle my kayak. And I see something kind of in this one part of the river, like by itself. And I look, and it's a a fish. It's a salmon that's lying on the bottom of the um river, and uh, I see like through the ripply water um some like pink. So I turned the kayak around to go, like, look at it, and what I realized is the pink is not, like, flesh. The pink is, like, packed eggs. The body was sliced open so you could see into the hollow, and in the hollow were just, like, what felt like millions of these, like, bubblegum pink drops of eggs. Like, the entire body cavity was packed eggs. And to think that parts of our body, male and female, by the way, because the the testes do this just a little later um in life, to think that parts of our body are like that fish, it felt like just like pulling back the curtain and <laughs> seeing something that i I can never unsee.
2: It's going to time.
5: This episode was reported by me, Molly Webster, and produced by Jad Abumrod. Original music by Dylan Keefe. Ballad of the Fish and the Gonads theme were written, performed, and produced by Major Connery and Alex Overington. Radiolab Presents Gonads is produced by Rachel Cusick and edited by Pat Walters. One last thing before I go. Later in the series, we're going to dig into sex ed. And one of the things that comes up in every conversation you have about sex ed is a book that somebody read to learn about the birds and the bees. It might have been given to them or they found it like in their library book sale. Um, So we want to try and create an online sex ed library with as many of these books as we can find for all ages. So go to radiolab.org slash sexedbooks.com. And tell us about a book you got as a kid and the reason you loved it or didn't. And then we're going to add it to the shelf. And it's going to be great. Um, So that's it. That's our episode. And uh, see you next time. Bye.
2: This is Katrina calling from New York City. Radio Lab was created by Jada Ebermod and is produced by Soren Wheeler. Dylan Keith is our Director of Sound Design. Maria Mattisarpadilla is our Managing Director. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Maggie Bartolomeau, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, David Gebel, Bessel Hapti, Tracy Hunt, Matt Kielty, Robert Perlwich, Annie McEwen, Latif Nasser, Melissa O'Donnell, Adrienne Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster with help from Shima Oli'i, Carter Hodge, and Liza Yager, Our fact-checker is Michelle Harris. Hi, I'm Robert Krulwich. Radiolab is supported by Casper. Check out the Casper, or the Wave, mattress with a support system that mirrors your body shape. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash radiolab and using code radiolab at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Robert Krulwich. Radio is supported by Audible. Check out How We Do It: The Evolution and Future of Human Reproduction. Go to audible.com/radiolab or text radiolab to 500-500 for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook.